What are the odds you draft a 23-year-old rookie from a mid-major basketball conference with your first overall pick? That concept seems laughable now. You draft someone who is either a one-and-done in college or a player who is an international sensation poised to be your franchise player. Sure, players you draft after the number one selection are more likely to be busts, but the busts that we remember and kill teams for making are the busts with the first overall selection. As a general manager or president of basketball ops, you have your pick of the next young crop of superstars. Every single NBA draft has produced at least a few all-stars. Sometimes they are no-brainer number one picks. The Tim Duncans, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal's, and Hakeem Olajuwon's don't come around every year. Sometimes you have to make tough decisions. Sometimes your decisions will be remembered forever if you make a horrible selection. Some of the worst number one overall picks come to mind as Anthony Bennett, Kwame Brown, and Michael Olua Candy. A bust can happen for more than a few reasons. Maybe they can't play. Maybe the team overdrafts him. This rings bells when you hear Anthony Bennett. Maybe he actually had some potential, a little overrated at number one, but had his confidence destroyed by a psycho 40-year-old MJ as its team's leader. Then after a stressful year of Jordan destroying your confidence, you have to go play with Kobe, who will do more of the same. This rings bells with Kwame Brown when he was drafted out of high school. But what happened to Michael Olawakandi? Why is he considered one of the biggest draft busts among number one picks? Did he get overdrafted, or was he contaminated with the cruel, sick disease that was the Los Angeles Clippers in the Donald Sterling era? To understand the selection of who the LA Clippers thought was going to be their franchise-changing center, we have to go all the way back to 1995. A 20-year-old Michael Olua Candy had never played a dribble of organized basketball in his life when he realized his dream to move to America and play in the NBA. He was born in Lagos, Nigeria. His father was a diplomat and moved their family to London when Michael was just three years old. From a young age, he was a gifted athlete, setting records for long jump and triple jump at his school in England. He was six foot eight when he was 16 years old and quickly gained four inches before starting picking up playing basketball as a hobby at age 18. He enrolled at Brunel University in London, where he studied mechanical engineering and was a track and field, cricket, and rugby athlete. On his 20th birthday, he opened up the Peterson's Guide to American Colleges and Universities. He was inspired by a man named Michael Jordan after watching Chicago Bulls championship teams on tape. He loved how Jordan transcended sports with his immense talent and will to win. Olawa Candy had a dream. He was going to play college basketball at a prestigious American university and then go play in the NBA. Michael began calling universities, trying to see if anyone would let him come play basketball. Of course, the Dukes, Kentuckys, and Georgetowns of the world did not pick up the phone. After a while, he found someone who did and that someone was an assistant coach at the University of Pacific. Tony Marcopolos was sitting at his desk manning the phones for the Pacific men's basketball program during his lunch break when he got one of the strangest phone calls he could get. Marcopolos picked up the phone to talk to a man on the other end, who had a thick British accent. The British man, Olawa Candy, 
greeted him by saying, I know this sounds odd, but I'm seven feet tall and want to play basketball. It wasn't the first time someone had called Pacific claiming they could play for their struggling basketball program. Being used to calls like this, Marco Polos tried to end these calls as soon as he could, but this time the phrase, I'm seven feet tall, was stuck in his head. The mysterious seven-foot man and the assistant coach talked for a while. Olawa Candy told him his life story about moving to London, studying mechanical engineering. He also mentioned that he never played basketball before, but left out the fact that he was a superstar track athlete. He also told him his ultimate goal was to play in the NBA. Marco Polos, overwhelmed with all of this information, couldn't process the impact from this phone call. He would frequently interrupt by saying, How tall did you say you were again? Olawa Candy asked him if Pacific was interested in having the mysterious seven-foot man on their team next season. The unfortunate thing was that Marco Polos was enticed by this phone conversation. However, they did not have any scholarships available. This phone call once again took another left turn when Olawa Candy said that this was not a problem. His father was a diplomat and he said that he would be able to pay his way. Once again, Marco Polos was stunned. Pacific was one of the most expensive private schools in California. It didn't matter. Money isn't an issue, Olawa Candy kept saying. Marco Polos told him they would be happy to have him, but made no guarantees that he would make the team. A few months later, the mysterious British seven-footer packed his bags and moved 5,000 miles to Northern California to pursue his NBA dream. When Michael Olawa Candy arrived at Pacific, he had no idea how the game of basketball worked. When asked to go down on the block so he could do some drills, Michael responded by saying, Where's the block? The idea that he was three years away from his first NBA game was laughable. The idea he was three years away from being a first-round draft pick was unthinkable. The idea he was three years away from being the first pick in the draft. A million to one odds? Olawa Candy even admitted he sometimes had no idea if he was playing offense or defense. He didn't understand the rules of the game just yet. He didn't know what a backcourt violation was, or that play would resume after the second shot of his two free throws. His lack of knowledge of basketball didn't affect his work ethic. Any chance he could get, he would schedule workouts with assistant coaches to work on his game. Coaches would get used to receiving random calls from him asking to meet at the gym. He would do anything he could to pursue his dream of playing professional basketball in the States. He averaged four points per game in his first season, but made huge improvements before his second season of college ball. Over the summer, he attended a big man camp and began lifting weights twice a day, and it paid dividends. He ended up getting moved into the starting lineup and bumped his averages up to 10 points per game and six rebounds. He helped Pacific qualify for the NCAA tournament, the school's first appearance in 18 years. Going into his senior season, head coach Bob Thomason made Olawa Candy the center of the team's offense. He bumped up his averages to 22-12 and 12 with three blocks a game. This huge improvement helped him become the Big West Player of the Year and began to gauge interest in NBA teams. All of a sudden, his hoop stream was close to becoming a reality. His numbers were impressive, but some people questioned the quality of competition he faced in the mighty Big West Conference. 
His newly hired agent, Bill Duffy, insisted that Olawa Candy would be available for interviews and small group workouts only. No five-on-five scrimmages. Duffy believed this would help show his clients' strengths and limit teams from seeing his weak spots. He was also able to get a hold of a list of physical tests and drills teams would use to dissect a potential prospect. The Pacific coaching staff began using these drills and prepared Olawa Candy for the NBA draft like a lawyer would prepare to take the bar. Olawa Candy traveled all over the U.S. for pre-draft workouts and amazed all who watched him perform. For example, Denver would make prospects dunk a 15-pound medicine ball repeatedly to test a player's strength. Olawa Candy dunked the ball 40 times in a row without pausing for a break. This set a new record for Denver's unique drill. The previous record was 22 by Dikembe Mutombo, who was considered to be one of the strongest players in the NBA. As impressed as an NBA team might be that a 7-foot guy can dunk a medicine ball 40 times, there was no team that was more blown away by Olawa Candy's workout than the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers had spent the first 20 years in Southern California rotating through stints of rebuilding and tanking. They slipped into the playoffs three years, but all the young talent they had either got injured or ran away from the team in free agency like it was a jailbreak. Then came the 1998 draft, when the Clippers won the lottery for the second time in their franchise history. The only other time they had the number one pick, they used it to acquire Danny Manning, who made an all-star team, but eventually got traded to Atlanta for a washed-up Dominique and a first-round pick. The Clippers were once again the lucky team to land the top lottery selection. There was a huge crop of players the Clippers could select to be the next face of their franchise. There was Kansas superstar Paul Pierce, North Carolina stars Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter, as well as a German prospect dubbed to be the European Larry Bird named Dirk Nowitzki. Or how about Arizona guard Mike Bibby, who had just led his team to an NCAA title? All these guys except for Jameson and Bibby will without a doubt be Hall of Famers. They all would have been smarter picks, and other than Dirk, would have been more solid number one selections at the time than a guy who did not play a game of organized basketball until he was 20 years old. But with no other player sticking out more than the other, in a legendary pre-draft workout, the Clippers were convinced Olawa Candy was their guy, constantly raving about his upside. After drafting him number one overall, Clippers GM Elgin Baylor was convinced that he was going to be mentioned as one of the league's best big men over the next 10 years, even saying, look at the big men out there, Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille, Tim Duncan. I think Olawa Candy will be in that group in three years. Also adding that he can have a bigger impact than anyone in the draft. So the Clippers were set to go in the 98-99 season with their newest franchise center. But there was a problem. The league was in a lockout, holding the salaries of all the players and prohibiting access to the team's training facilities. Olawa Candy did keep the excellent work ethic he showed at college during this lockout, hiring legendary big man Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to work him out and prepare him for the NBA. Kareem raved about his progression, praising his agility, strength, and work ethic. This is all fine and dandy, but the lockout continued from October to December, and if the league did not come to an agreement by January 7th, David Cern announced that there would not be an NBA season. 
During this time, European teams kept trying to entice locked-out NBA players with money. One of these players that got enticed was Michael Olawa Candy. With the possibility of a regular season looking doubtful with every passing day, and the rookie center not having cashed a paycheck, he opted to sign with the team in Italy before the Italian league's free agency window closed. Within 48 hours of him signing this deal, the NBA ended their lockout and came to a new collective bargaining agreement. The NBA was going to fit a 50-game schedule over 88 days. They were going to begin training camp on January 21st. The problem with the Clippers was that they had yet to hire a coaching staff, and their number one draft pick was about to play overseas without the possibility of being released before February 15th. Over the next few weeks, they were able to hire a coach, and other good news emerged as Italy released the Candyman three weeks earlier than expected. So he was able to participate in a few exhibition games and would be there for the start of the regular season. The bad part about this is the Italian team was releasing the British big man because they were disappointed with his production. He only averaged eight points per game and six rebounds per game in his six games overseas. To say that the Clippers' season was disappointing was an understatement. They started the lockout shortened season 0-17. This was tied for the worst start of a regular season in NBA history. The Clips finished 9-41 with the second worst record. Candyman averaged 9 points per game with 8 rebounds. In the 99 draft, the Clippers ended up drafting versatile forward Lamar Odom in the lottery to pair with Olawa Candy. However, this did not make much effect on the team's success on the court, as the Clippers followed up a terrible season with another terrible one, going 15-67. and They fired their coach midway through the season and also added Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to the coaching staff, with his sole purpose being to mold the Candyman into one of the league's elite. However, as many as the Clippers' decisions that were made during the Donald Sterling era, it more often than not resulted in the worst possible outcome. Any chemistry the two big men had a year ago vanished. Kareem would try to give Olua Candy constructive feedback for his lethargic play. However, instead of taking the advice and learning from the greatest center in NBA history, he instead interpreted the feedback as insults. The Candyman thought he had the game figured out and wanted to do things his way. The self-confidence that helped jumpstart his basketball career was at the same time derailing it. Kareem called Olawa Candy a athletically gifted washout and also left the coaching staff after this season. Teammates also grew frustrated with the big man's production. Derek Anderson commented Kareem did everything he could. Everybody tried to help, but Michael was just set in his own ways. Fast forward to Michael Olawa Candy's fourth season in the NBA and we finally got to see the potential that he was branded to have when he was selected as the first pick in the draft. After Lamar Odom went down with a wrist injury, Olawa Candy went from his disappointing 6 points and 8 rebounds a game production from the beginning of the season to having some really nice games. After a game where he outplayed David Robinson, the Admiral, Greg Popovich called Olawa Candy's performance incredible. Even his own coach, Alvin Gentry, said that he was as good of a player as there was over the last two months of the season. The last two months, he averaged 16 points per game and 10 rebounds per game. This also translated to success on the court, as the Clips were just shy of making a playoff appearance, 
with an incredibly young team going 39 and 43, including a young all-star named Elton Brand. Oluwakandi's rookie contract had now expired, and Donald Sterling said that he wanted to keep this group of young players together. Elgin Baylor even said that Oluwakandi was vital to the franchise's future, despite being disappointing for 90% of his first contract. The Candyman heard of all this chatter and demanded a seven-year, $102 million deal. The Clippers countered by offering him 51 over the same amount of years. With both sides not getting on the same page, he ended up re-signing with a one-year, $6 million deal. He was betting on himself. Another good year, and he could go into free agency and have a bidding war over him. The only problem with this was that just about every key player on the Clippers roster for the 2002-2003 season was also playing for a new contract. Even though Elton Brand, Olua Candy, Lamar Odom, Corey Maggette, Andre Miller were all eligible for extensions in the 2002 offseason, none were re-signed. Meaning that the entire Clippers starting lineup was playing for a new contract. Just as you would imagine, this did not go well for the Clippers. The team battled injuries and selfish play. The coveted starting lineup with potential only played together on seven occasions. They fired head coach Alvin Gentry three quarters of the way through the season and finished 12 games worse than they did the year earlier. Four of the Clippers' top six scorers left after this season, including Ola Candy, who signed a three-year, $16 million contract in Minnesota. Part of the reason for his less-than-desired contract was Olua Candy suffered a knee injury that required surgery during his last Clippers season. Before he went down, he was averaging 12 points per game, 9 rebounds per game, with 12 blocks a game. His stock fell drastically and battled injuries for the rest of his career, including severe knee tendonitis that cut his first season in Minnesota short. His numbers dipped drastically averaging a peak of 6-5 and five for the rest of his career. He spent two and a half years in Minnesota before being traded to Boston, where he played 40 games over the course of two seasons. After his run in Boston, he retired at the age of 32. So the big overwhelming theme with his career is should he be considered a bust? A British kid who never played a game of organized basketball before he was 20, even when he started playing basketball, he lacked the understanding of the rules. But he worked his tail off, became one of the best players in college. He improved enough to become a lottery pick. He impressed enough people where he became the first overall pick, even if the Clippers wouldn't have drafted him number one. Someone for sure would have taken him shortly after. Vancouver GM called the Oldowa Candy pick a no-brainer at the time. Vancouver had the number two pick in that draft. When he started out his basketball career, he was a long shot to make the NBA, let alone be a coveted draft pick. During the course of his eight-year NBA career, he made $39 million. If he wasn't drafted by the Clippers, maybe his career goes differently. Maybe he's utilized differently. Maybe he doesn't have knee problems and he extends his career and eliminates the bus narrative. If he falls in the draft... Maybe we don't even talk about him at all. Maybe we marvel at his unlikely trip to America and admire him for achieving his dream.
that he had when he was a 20-year-old kid in London. We see so many players that have the tools to be something special as an athlete. And sadly, in more instances than not, these people don't try to maximize their potential. If there's one thing you can say about Oliva Candy, he worked for his dream and achieved it. And that's not something everyone can say.